Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar, and 2022 starts the third year of this podcast and corresponding blog. I go through the Bible chapter by chapter, guiding you, even if you've never read the Bible before. Right now, I'm going through the Old Testament prophets, revealing how Bible prophecies that were written 700 years before Christ predict not just what was going to happen back then, but what happened when Jesus came. They even predict the end times and last days that are coming true right now. I pray that as you hear God's word, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart, eyes, and mind to understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Hey, new year, new life. Let's dig in. Jeremiah 50, God foretells the ultimate judgment day of Babylon. Babylon has fallen. That's a great cry from one of God's angels in Revelation 18. In today's chapter, God tells Jeremiah to warn Babylon that their time of wealth, pagan worship, lust, haughtiness, vanity, gluttony, and pride will soon be over. Written in 586 BC, Jeremiah was not only prophesying about when the Medes and Persians would invade in 539 BC, but a future destruction. Let's dig in. Jeremiah 50, a message about Babylon. The Lord gave Jeremiah the prophet this message concerning Babylon and the land of the Babylonians. This is what the Lord says. Tell the whole world and keep nothing back. Raise a signal flag to tell everyone that Babylon will fall. Her images and idols will be shattered. Her gods, Bel, B-E-L, and Marduk, M-A-R-D-U-K, will be utterly disgraced. For a nation will attack her from the north and bring such destruction that no one will live there again. Everything will be gone. Both people and animals will flee. Hope for Israel and Judah. In those coming days, says the Lord, the people of Israel will return home together with the people of Judah. They will come weeping, seeking the Lord their God. They will ask the way to Jerusalem and will start back home again. They will bind themselves to the Lord with an eternal covenant that will never be forgotten. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds, religious leaders, priests, and false prophets, have led them astray and turned them loose in the mountains. They have lost their way and can't remember how to get back to the sheepfold. All who found them devoured them. Their enemies said, we did nothing wrong in attacking them for they sinned against the Lord, their true place of rest and the hope of their ancestors. But now flee from Babylon, leave the land of the Babylonians like male goats at the head of the flock, lead my people home again. For I am raising up an army of great nations from the north. They will join forces to attack Babylon and she will be captured. The enemy's arrows will go straight to the mark. They will not miss. Babylonia will be looted until the attackers are glutted with loot. I, the Lord, have spoken. Babylon's sure fall. Verse 11. 
You rejoice and are glad, you who plundered my chosen people. You frisk about like a calf in a meadow and neigh like a stallion, but your homeland will be overwhelmed with shame and disgrace. You will become the least of nations, a wilderness, a dry and desolate land. Because of the Lord's anger, Babylon will become a deserted wasteland. All who pass by will be horrified and will gasp at the destruction they see there. Yes, prepare to attack Babylon, all you surrounding nations. Let your archers shoot at her and spare no arrows, for she had sinned against the Lord. Shout war cries against her from every side. Look, she surrenders. Her walls have fallen. It is the Lord's vengeance, so take vengeance on her. Do to her as she has done to others. Take from Babylon all those who plant crops. Send all the harvesters away because of the sword of the enemy. Everyone who will run away and rush back to their own lands. Hope for God's people. The Israelites are like sheep. They have been scattered by lions. First, the king of Assyria ate them up. Then King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon cracked their bones. Therefore, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says. Now I will punish the king of Babylon and his land, just as I punished the king of Assyria. And I will bring Israel home again to its own land, to feed in the fields of Carmel and Bashan, to be satisfied once more in the hill country of Ephraim and Gilead. In those days, says the Lord, no sin will be found in Israel or in Judah, for I will forgive the remnant I preserve. The Lord's judgment on Babylon, Go up, my warriors, against the land of Merathiam and against the people of Pekod. Pursue, kill, and completely destroy them as I have commanded you, says the Lord. Let the battle cry be heard in the land, a shout of great destruction. Babylon, the mightiest hammer in all the earth, lies broken and shattered. Babylon is desolate among the nations. Listen, Babylon, for I have set a trap for you. You are caught, for you have fought against the Lord. The Lord has opened his armory and brought out weapons to vent his fury. I wonder what God's armory looks like. The terror that falls upon the Babylonians will be the work of the sovereign Lord of heaven's armies. Yes, come against her from distant lands, break open her granaries, crush her walls and houses into heaps of rubble, destroy her completely and leave nothing. Destroy even her young bulls. It will be terrible for them too. Slaughter them all for Babylon's day of reckoning has come. Listen to the people who have escaped from Babylon as they tell in Jerusalem how the Lord our God has taken vengeance against those who destroyed his temple. Send out a call for archers to come to Babylon. Surround the city so no one can escape. Do to her as she has done to others, for she has defied the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Her young men will fall in the streets and die. Her soldiers will all be killed, says the Lord. See, I am your enemy, you arrogant people, says the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies. Your day of reckoning has arrived, the day when I will punish you, O land of arrogance. You will stumble and fall, and no one will raise you up. For I will light a fire in the cities of Babylon that will burn up everything around them. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. 
The people of Israel and Judah have been wronged. Their captors hold them and refuse to let them go. But the one who redeems them is strong. His name is the Lord of heaven's armies. He will defend them and give them the rest again in Israel. But for the people of Babylon, there will be no rest. The sword of destruction will strike the Babylonians, says the Lord. I will strike the people of Babylon, her officials and wise men too. The sword will strike her wise counselors and they will become fools. The sword will strike her mightiest warriors and panic will seize them. The sword will strike her horses and chariots and her allies from other lands and they will all become like women. The sword will strike her treasures and they all will be plundered. A drought or sword will strike her water supply, causing it to dry up. And wait till you wait till you hear the story of how the Medes and Persians got into there in the book of Daniel. And why? Because the whole land is filled with idols. And the people are madly in love with them. This reminds me of the worship of Mary. Soon Babylon will be inhabited by desert animals and hyenas. It will be a home for owls and never again will people live there. It will lie desolate forever. I will destroy it as I destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, says the Lord. No one will live there. No one will inhabit it. Look, a great army is coming from the north, a great nation and many kings are rising against you from far off lands. They are armed with bows and spears. They are cruel and show no mercy. As they ride forward on horses, they sound like a roaring sea. They are coming in battle formation, planning to destroy you, Babylon. The king of Babylon has heard reports about the enemy and he is weak with fright. Pangs of anguish have gripped him like those of a woman in labor. I will come like a lion from the thickets of the Jordan, leaping on the sheep in the pasture. I will chase Babylon from its land, and I will appoint the leader of my choice. For who is like me? Who can challenge me? What ruler can oppose my will? Listen to the Lord's plans against Babylon and the land of the Babylonians. Even the little children will be dragged off like sheep and their homes will be destroyed. The earth will shake with the shout, Babylon has been taken, and its cry of despair will be heard around the world. And that is Jeremiah 50. A tale of two cities, and I will defer to Pastor Sandy Adams' explanation. One way of, uh, quote, one way of looking at the Bible is to view it as a tale of two cities. The Bible chronicles the story of two kingdoms, the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of Satan. And every kingdom has a capital city. These two kingdoms were no exception. The Old Testament, in the Old Testament, God's headquarters on earth was Jerusalem, while Satan also had his headquarters, the city of Babel or Babylon. The founder of Babel was a man named Nimrod, or Babel, 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 um, <laughs> I think the correct pronunciation is Babel. Um, the founder of Babel was a man named Nimrod. He was an expert archer. He taught men how to hunt and fend for themselves. He gave them power over nature and encouraged them to rebel against God. Nimrod led the very first organized revolt against God. 
the Lord told mankind to scatter and multiply in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter three. Instead, under Nimrod's influence, the people of the earth came together at Babel and built a tall tower. The Tower of Babel served several purposes. First, it memorialized Nimrod's perceived greatness. Second, the tower became an observatory into the heavens. It gave birth to the occult practices of astrology, of discerning the future through the stars. And third, the Bible says Nimrod constructed it using bricks for stone and asphalt for mortar, which can be translated as pitch. It's the same word used for the waterproofing material used to cover the Ark of Noah and prepare it for its voyage. So what is Nimrod doing building a waterproof tower in the middle of the arid desert? Obviously, he refused to believe the rainbow and the promises of God it symbolized. And that's in Genesis 9, right after the flood, that God would never judge the whole earth with water again. In essence, Nimrod taught the people of earth that God was their enemy. He would protect them from the big bad God. This is what God this is why God destroyed the tower and confused the languages. And that's all in Genesis 11, forcing people to scatter and repopulate the earth. Yet Babel remained the seat of Satan, the hub of hedonism. For the next 2000 years, Babylon will remain the center and the chief exporter of idolatry, paganism, and occult practice. Babylon reached its zenith, its golden age under the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar. He ruled from 606 to 562 BC. He made Babylon great. Under Nebuchadnezzar, Babel dominated the world commercially and militarily. It was Nebuchadnezzar that destroyed Jerusalem, burned the temple and deported the Jews to Babylon. The capital, of the, the capital of Nebuchadnezzar was an extremely well-fortified city. In fact, it was viewed as impregnable. Babylon was sur surrounded by two walls. The highest was 311 feet, and it had 250 watchtowers, some soaring another 150 feet into the air. Underneath the walls flowed the Euphrates River, supplying the city its water. It was Nebuchadnezzar who built a 700-room palace and the famous Hanging Gardens. And if you want to see a picture of or a rendering of what these um, Hanging Gardens looked like, which is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, click on over to my blog and you can check out that picture. And you got to check out the other pictures I've got there too. Babylon's destruction, and oh, that was the end of, of um, Pastor Sandy Adams' thing, so... Babylon's destruction came on October 12, 539 BC. That story is told in the book of Daniel, and we'll be getting to that soon. So subscribe so you don't miss out. So here's some other key points. God used Babylon to bring judgment on Israel because they disobeyed and rebelled against him. Now, God was bringing judgment on Babylon. Why? Because its kings refused to worship him and continued to worship their fake gods, Bel and Marduk. The Temple of Bell is depicted in the top image of my blog, so you need to click on over there to go take a look at it. Okay. The link is in the show notes. Babylon embodies the lusts of the world, and we get the world vice because 
the lusts of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and pride are all sins. Sin puts a vice grip on us. We by ourselves can never get loose. That's where Jesus comes in. The moment you repent and submit your life to him, he breaks that vice grip that sin has on you. Here we have a dual fulfillment. Part of this prophecy was fulfilled in 539 BC and part of it is yet to be fulfilled. Today, Babylon is still mostly ruins, though it's a world heritage site. Will Babylon be built in the future? Some consider the Babylon of the Book of Revelation to be Rome or New York City. However, most of the Bible prophecy teachers I follow say Babylon is Babylon. The Antichrist will rebuild it in Iraq. So, um, and over in my, in my blog on my website, I have a page where I'm embedding videos um, with the latest news from the Middle East and wars and rumors of wars that are going on right now, which Russia is really big right now, um, and some prophecy updates that are, that, that, you know, are important. You need to know this. Um, is your shepherd leading you astray? You know, there are a lot of lousy shepherds, aka pastors, leading their flocks astray. Surely many of them mean well. Nevertheless, they are uh, failing in leading the sheep to salvation. The only place they're going to is hell. And yes, I'm being blunt. Reason being, there is no time to waste. You have a choice. You can keep on partying in Satan's kingdom and end up in the worst place ever, hell, or you can choose salvation. All you have to do is believe, have faith that Jesus is the Christ and he died taking your sins away forever and that he rose from the dead three days later. Repent of your sins, that is stop sinning. Do a complete 180 degree turn in your life and surrender your life to him. Be baptized, show the world and yourself that you have died to your old life and are born again in Christ. Receive the Holy Spirit in your heart. So what are you waiting for? Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift of grace and confident hope of eternal life. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. Um, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says how to invite Jesus into your heart. And again, in my blog, there's a lot more articles and Bible studies and, and uh, information where you can dig deeper. This is the word of God. He wants you to know this. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Are you a born-again Christian with Catholic friends or family members? Have you struggled with how to bring up the truth of Jesus' salvation? I had the same problem, so I put together a free ebook, The Catholic Mission Field in Our Backyards. It's a guide to help you start the conversation and plant the seed that will get them thinking, am I missing something? Check it out. It's a free download on my website. You'll find the link in the show notes. Oh, please let me know if it helped you. If you're a born again believer helping a Catholic friend or family member start reading the Bible, it's a great idea to give them one. But which version or translation would be a good one for them? There are too many to choose from. As a former Catholic, it helped me to have a Bible translation in plain everyday English. 
and I know many evangelical Christians are very much attached to the King James Version. That's fine if that's what you grew up with. Remember, Catholics have grown up with priests and nuns telling them they don't need to read the Bible. All they have to do is trust the church to teach them what they need to know, only they don't, and that's the problem. When I first started going back to church, a well-meaning friend told me to get a King James Version. Well, guess what? I got frustrated with the these and thous and stopped reading it, totally defeating the purpose. Eventually, I got the new international version or the NIV, and that was the best for a new Christian to get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. Today, I also study from the New King James Version or NKJV and the New Living Translation, the NLT. I'm now an affiliate of Christian book distributors and I've chosen three study Bibles that will be a great gift for that Catholic or progressive friend whom you'd like to help get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. They are also a great, they're also great for the new Christian believer. Check them out. The link is in the show notes. And by the way, all commissions will be donated to one or more of the Bible translating ministries listed on my site. So give the gift of the word of God and help spread the word while you're at it. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.